Welcome back, Missio family. Today, you'll hear Pastor Josh talk about how Satan and his demons desire to derail our lives. Jesus came that we might live a full life, a kingdom life, of freedom in the gospel. If you have any questions about Missio, you'd like to join a missional community, or you have any prayer requests, please contact us at missio.life. Well, hey, good morning. Welcome. Uh, this is your first time with us. I want to say a special welcome to you. My name is Josh. I'm the pastor here. And we're so glad that you're joining us this beautiful summer morning. Um, if you know me, some of you know me pretty well. And uh, my favorite movie genre is action and adventure. Okay? So I'm kind of a sucker for movies that have explosions and hand-to-hand combat scenes. It's kind of like, ooh, look, fire, right? And so um, if you go and you look through my, my queue on Netflix or whatever, you know, platform, it's, it's lots, lots of action and adventure. I just, I can't help it. I like it. And so one of the things that I've learned as I've watched a lot of movies and shows is that for a good action movie, you need some certain, there's certain ingredients that make it work. There's a hero. There's a villain. There's a problem. And, you know, maybe the villain kidnapped somebody or killed somebody or there's, you know, some problem to solve that the hero is trying to take care of. There's probably some hand-to-hand combat scenes. Um, there's probably a car chase involved and some cars like exploding, blowing up. And have you ever noticed in, in action movies how like um, unfit to do their jobs cops are? Like, they're horrible. They're, they're always late to the scene, and they're flipping their cop cars over. And I know it's the movies, but uh, they just, they really portray cops as not being able to do their jobs. Um, and so, th- those are some of the, the elements that are in a good action movie. And if you watch, like, uh, Vikings shows or Braveheart or war movies, there's always, like, these opposing sides. People are fighting against each other, and they're battling it out. That's what you need for a good action movie. Now, some of you don't like action movies, and you're probably more like my wife, who likes the Hallmark movies. Any Hallmark people here? There's not a whole lot of action going on. There's, a, you know, probably a single mom in a, in a farmhouse somewhere, and maybe a berry farm, and, you know, a guy moves to town with an old pickup truck, and uh, at the end of the movie, they get married, and every, everyone lives happily ever after, so... Sorry if I've offended all you Hallmark people now. Not my favorite genre, but the thing about action movies is it, it draws you in because there's, there's something to fight for. And we've been in this series, we've been talking about the kingdom of God. And so Jesus talked about his kingdom, and in his context, they understood kings, kingdoms, they would go to war, they would fight against each other. And they had a purpose. They had a reason to fight. And so Jesus had taught about his kingdom. And he said, it's an unseen kingdom. It's invisible. So his audience was often perplexed. Well, Jesus, what are you talking about? You have a kingdom? Where are all the uh, chariots and horses? And where's all your soldiers at? Jesus said, no, that's not how my kingdom is. It's a spiritual kingdom. This is what he said in Luke 17. One day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? Jesus replied, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there, for the kingdom of God is already among you. 
And so Jesus taught that the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. Jesus said, I came to introduce the kingdom, and it's in your midst. But you can't see it because it's invisible. And so Jesus taught that his kingdom was a spiritual kingdom that dwells in the hearts of people, and it's invisible. But in addition to that, there's another kingdom, a spiritual kingdom that's invisible. And these two are at war with each other. And it's the kingdom of darkness. It's the kingdom of Satan. There is an opposing force pushing back on the kingdom of God, and it's the kingdom of darkness. And so this is what Paul said in Ephesians 6.12. There are two kingdoms, and this is what he says. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And so it's not that God's kingdom is just a bunch of people who like to do good things and, you know, love people. That's true. But there's actually another kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of Satan opposing God's work in the world. And so these two are at war, just similar to one of those war movies that they're, they're battling. Now, one thing you have to understand, though, about the battle is the sides aren't equal. These are not two equal forces duking it out. That's, that's a, uh, a term called dualism that we would think that there's good in the world, there's evil in the world, and they're pretty much equal. They balance each other out. That is not true. The reality is that God and his kingdom are so much greater and more powerful than the kingdom of Satan and darkness. We're going to talk about that a little bit later, but we have to understand it's not an equal fight, but these two kingdoms are at war with each other. So the battle between the two kingdoms is for the souls of people. That's what the battle is about. It's a battle for souls. And so to understand the battle for souls and why this all happened in the first place, we have to go back to the very beginning of the story. Where did this battle start? And so if you know the story of God, you know that in the beginning, God created everything. And before God even created the world, he created angels. He created angels to hang out with him. And they worshipped him. And everything was great. Until one of the angels named Lucifer decided, he was one of the top angels, the most glorious angel, that, hey, I think I want to be worshipped instead of God. And so God will not allow sin to remain in his presence. And so he cast Lucifer down. He said, you can't be here. And he sent him away, down into the darkness of the earth. And he took a third of the angels with him. That's what Lucifer did. He became Satan, the adversary. And so Satan took the third of the angels with him. Those are his demons. And God then created humans, right? Adam and Eve put them in a garden, a beautiful garden. Everything was good. And they walked and talked with God in the cool of the day. And there was no pain, no sickness, no death, no politics, nothing bad, right? Like everything was good in the garden. And they just lived with God in perfect harmony. But God put a tree in the middle of the garden. He said, Adam and Eve, don't eat of that tree. You can eat of any other tree in the garden, just not that one. He gave them the choice. And along comes the serpent, Satan. And he says, you can eat of that tree. God didn't really say you're going to die. And he starts twisting things around and lying to them. And pretty soon, we know the story, Adam and Eve take of the fruit and they eat it. And it changes everything because it's what we call the fall. Sin was introduced into the picture. A questioning of God's heart and and words and truth to believe a lie. And that changed everything. 
So Adam and Eve had to leave the garden. Again, God will not allow sin to remain in his presence. And so they left the garden. And they had to go out and farm and work the ground. And they had to have uh, pain and sickness and death and childbirth. And like all kinds of hard things came into the picture because of sin, because of that one act of disobedience. Jesus referred to Satan. He said, he's a thief. He's a liar and he's a father of lies. He refers to him as a thief in John 10.10. He says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. So Satan is trying to steal and kill and destroy. That is what he has done since the beginning. He's tried to destroy people's lives. And he continues to do so today. And so these kingdoms are at war. See, life in the kingdom of God is joy and peace, and it's abundant. It's dynamic. It's fulfilling. And we get to experience all the fruit of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kind of, uh, I just butchered that list, but you know the list of the fruit of the Spirit. But in the, in the kingdom of darkness, it's the total opposite. There's heartache. There's hurt. There's pain. There's betrayal. There's broken relationships. That's the kingdom of darkness. And these two kingdoms are diametrically opposed to one another. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. I'm going to be jumping around a lot of scripture today, so just bear with me. Colossians 1 says, He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. And so every person who's born into this world is born into sin because of Adam and Eve. We, in, we inherit this sinful nature, and we're born into the kingdom of darkness until we meet Jesus. That's why Jesus came in the first place. He said, I came to seek and save the lost. Come to help you. Come to rescue you. And Paul says that he transfers us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God. And that's where we need to be. The thing is, there are two kingdoms. There's no, there's no other place to be. Every person, every human being on planet earth is in one of the two kingdoms. You're either in the kingdom of darkness or you're in the kingdom of God. There's no other place to be. Those are the only two options. And so when we understand that Jesus comes to save us, we put our faith and trust in him, we move from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Battle for souls. So with all this talk about spiritual battle, um, some of us can get discouraged, and maybe we think, man, I just don't want to think about that. I'm not really into the whole, like, war and fighting thing, and it's just, ah, it just makes me all anxious and, and worried. And the reality is, it's, it is. It, it can be a little bit frightening at times. But I want to share a little, a little bit of theology that maybe will, will give you some comfort, maybe not. I don't know. We'll see here in a minute um, how, how, the, how you respond to this. But the truth about the devil is he is still God's devil. Martin Luther said that, that Satan still is a created being that God made and God has authority over him. So Satan cannot do anything that God does not allow or permit, okay? So Satan is on a leash, all right? So he has power and he can do harm and he can steal, kill, and destroy, but only up to what God allows, okay? And so the devil is still God's devil. I want to take us to a story in Job, and this is where it may get a little disturbing. I don't know. We'll see how this lands with you. But 
Um, Job chapter 1. And if you know the story of Job, he's a man who feared God and, um, and he just, he was a good guy and he loved the Lord. And so this is what happens in Job chapter 1, starting in verse 6. One day, the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord, and the accuser, Satan, came with them. Where have you come from? The Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I've been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God, and he stays away from evil. Satan replied to the Lord, yes, but Job has good reason to fear God. You have always put a wall of protection around him in his home and his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. Look at how rich he is. But reach out and take away everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. All right, you may test him, the Lord said to Satan. Do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. So, you have to kind of ask yourself here, okay, Satan waltzes into heaven with the angels going into heaven's court and walks up to God and says, hey, God, how's it going? And God has this conversation with Satan, where have you been? I've been down patrolling the earth, checking it out. I've noticed your boy Job, pretty cool guy. Yeah, he is. And then Satan asks for permission to harm him and God says, yeah. So this is the disturbing part, right? Like, you know, God still allows Satan to have some power. He allows him to harm people. And so in some way, that may be a bit of a shock uh, for some of us, but also we have to remember that he does not go any farther than God allows. And God's heart can be trusted. We talked about God's heart last week, about the gospel, the two brothers, the heart of God for his people. And he loves us, but he allows things into our lives because we live in a sinful, broken world where Satan still has some ability to harm us. And so if you go ahead and you read Job chapter 2, Satan comes back a second time and asks for more permission. He goes, yeah, you can give him some physical harm this time. And he gets boils. He gets these sores all over his body. And the whole story of Job, I mean, we should do a series on that sometime, but You can read through the whole story and you see at the end how God brought that full circle and what God was up to. But we don't fully understand why does God allow Satan to do these things. And so we can really get jammed up if we try to understand everything in life. Why does God give Satan the power to afflict us? Why does he give him the ability to harm us at times? And really what it comes down to is that it's not up to us to understand all the whys. God's ways are not our ways. His his thoughts are not our thoughts. And so our our job is to trust him, to know his heart, and that he always wants what's best for us. So we may not like the trials, we may not like the affliction, but it actually does have a good benefit for us. Look at what James said in James 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. 
And so God uses our trials, our perseverance to test us, to grow our character, to grow our faith. And so we need to let trials build our faith. When we first set out to plant Missio Church a few years back, I remember I had uh, friends who were church planters who had already been you know, further along in the process, um, some ministry coaches, and people said, get ready for spiritual attack. You're planting a church, get ready, buckle up. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like, I've been in ministry for you know, 12, 13 years. I've seen some things, and, um, but nothing like this. Nothing. Uh, and they were right. There has been so much spiritual attack And I know some of you know what I'm talking about. We have seen um, marriages, problems in marriages. We've seen relationships blow up. We have seen physical ailments. We've seen injuries. We've seen, um, who here was at BHS with us when when we used to do our worship services there? You probably know where I'm going with this. We had a guy come in one time at one of our services. I talked to him before the service and I said, hey, what's your name? And he said, oh, my name's Jacob and which uh, is an interesting name, but um, you'll see where I'm going in a minute. And so he tells me he is a custodian at Bismarck High. Good, great. Thanks for being here. Thanks for cleaning up. And he was doing some stuff in the bathroom. And so later on, and this, by the way, this was the one night where uh, Dave, the principal of BHS, wasn't there, oddly enough. And so this guy proceeds to go up to the sound booth and in the middle of the worship service, turns off the sound system mid-song. Like, we're like, what's going on here? And then a few minutes later, the lights start flashing. So I went up to the booth, and I'm like, Jacob, what's going on? He goes, oh, I'm just uh, working on some stuff. And I'm like, it turned out he was trying to steal the sound equipment. He was trying to unbolt it from the thing during the service, and he was off the street. He didn't work there. He was a complete liar, which Jacob means liars. Interesting. But it's like the crazy things that have happened in the life of our church because there's a spiritual battle going on for souls. We're a battle, guys. Like, whether or not you want to admit it or, or like it, it's true. And so we don't, we don't need to worry. We don't need to fear. But we need to stand firm in the battle. And You know, our family, my family's been through some stuff too. With My wife has had a back surgery and now an ankle injury. And um, we've just had a lot of stuff. And I know I'm seeing some heads nod out there. You guys, we've faced some things. We don't have to be afraid. We stand in the victory that is Jesus's. Jesus has already won the victory. See, when Jesus died on the cross, he laid down his life and he rose again. He defeated sin and death and the kingdom of darkness forever. Like the climax of the story already happened a couple thousand years ago. Jesus defeated Satan. It is finished, he said. And so he rose back to, to, the, to, to life. See, Jesus lived perfect. He didn't never sin. And he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness for 40 days and for 40 nights. And he resisted temptation. Jesus lived a life you and I could never live. Perfect. Jesus died the death that we deserve. He laid down his life. He said, I, I do this for you because I love you. Jesus has the victory. And that's really good news for us. And so the climax of the story has already happened, but the thing is, there's more to come. Like, there's a return of the king. Are you Lord of the, Rans, Lord of the Rings fans? There's a return of the king. He's coming back, and his kingdom, as we talked about in week one, his kingdom is already, 
but it's also not yet. Like there's a return where Jesus comes back and he says, all right, this, we're done, this, no more. And he puts a stop to the battle. The battle's won, but he will forever lock up Satan. It's that old saying, they may have won the battle, but we won the war. So maybe, maybe sometimes in life we feel like we're losing the battle. We feel like we're struggling. We're just kind of getting through life. We remember, Jesus has won it. The victory is his, and we get to stand in that. Colossians 3, 1 through 4 says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, for you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. And so that text reminds us, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Think about the things to come. There's more. There's better. The kingdom now is great. We get to live in it. But it's going to be so much better, isn't it? We get to focus on that. And when Jesus returns, when he comes, we'll share in his glory. Because we're part of his kingdom And so it helps us keep perspective when we know that Jesus has won the victory. So when we feel like we're losing, Scripture reminds us we will share in Jesus' victory for the rest of eternity. I mentioned Lord of the Rings just a minute ago. Um, I am a fan of Lord of the Rings. I'm not a super fan. I'm not a nerd. I don't know if Bill is here today. Um, He can school me and all this... Tolkien stuff, I don't know, and I don't even read the books, I just watch the movies, I'm, I'm too lazy to read the book, but, um, but some of you know the, the story of Lord of the Rings, and you, you can think of the movie, um, the, I think it's the Two Towers, where they have the Battle of Helm's Deep, I've got, I've got someone nodding back here, so I'm, I got my facts good so far, and this is the Battle of Helm's Deep, they're in this fortress, and they're bearing down on it, and these are the orcs, the army of orcs coming after them, and all hope seems to be lost. And they're inside the fortress, and, and it's like they're moments away from just being completely annihilated. And King Theoden is ready to throw in the towel, and Aragorn tells him, no, we're going to ride out. We're going to go out and meet, and meet them in battle. And if we're going to die, it's going to be in battle. And so they kind of rally themselves, and a small group of them ride out on this bridge, and they start swinging swords and, and taking care of orcs. And just when it seems like they're going to be overtaken... On the horizon, we see Gandalf. And Gandalf and the riders of Rohan ride down the mountain and they charge the army and they wipe out the orcs. And it's just such an epic battle scene. Many of you have probably seen this. You can imagine it. And as as cool as that is, I just want you to, in your mind's eye, picture the return of Jesus. When he comes back to wipe out the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of darkness, once and for all, this pales into comparison of what that will be like. Jesus will return and we will share in his glory, the Bible says. So sometimes we feel like we're losing the battle of life. Remember that Jesus has won the victory and it's his. And he's coming back. See, in the, in the battle of kingdoms, one of the most common strategies that Satan used is lies. Jesus said he's the liar, father of lies. What did we see in the very beginning with Adam and Eve? Lie. God, God said you wouldn't, God didn't say you would surely die. That's not true. That was a lie. Because they did die. Eventually, they'd leave the garden, 
death came into the picture. So he loves to lie. And there are probably, we could make a list of 50 lies today if we wanted to, of all the lies that Satan tells us. But there are two that I want to focus on before we wrap this up. There's two that I want to kind of unpack a little bit because I think they're pretty crucial. And so the first one, lie number one, is that there is no spiritual battle. If Satan can get us to believe that there's no battle going on, this is all just, this is all a fairy tale. Then guess what? He's got the upper hand. He's got a huge advantage. If he can get us to think that he's not active, then we're at a huge disadvantage. If you ever played a game with somebody, like um, say you're playing ping pong or shooting baskets or, or doing some kind of a game, and all of a sudden you realize the other person was keeping score and you're like way behind, and they're like, I'm about to win. You're like, what? I didn't even know we were keeping score. I'm just goofing around. It's like that. It's like you're at a huge disadvantage. If you're not competing, if you're not in the game, you're just kind of there taking up space, and all of a sudden they're way ahead of you. Satan wants us to think there's no battle going on because he can have us right where he wants us, deceived. And if you don't know Jesus, if you're in the kingdom of darkness, and he's saying there's no battle, then you're not worried. There's no sense of urgency or no need for Jesus to rescue you from the kingdom of darkness. And so that's one of the lies that he loves to spew. The other one is this. Lie number two, you can't trust God. God can't be trusted. God's not good. God doesn't love you. There's so many different ways that, that he, he speaks this lie to us. And we think that uh, God is somehow out to get us or that he's angry with us or whatever. And, and you can't trust God. And if we believe this lie, this leads to a host of other lies. If we think God can't be trusted, we begin to try to be God for ourselves. We try to be in charge of our own lives. We try to be in charge of our own morality. What's right and wrong? I'm the judge of that now. And we start to sin and we, we mess our lives up. And then, oh man, I messed up. I, I sinned. And then Satan's right there to say, see, I told you. The Bible says he's the accuser of the brethren. He loves to come in and say, you messed up. You're an idiot. Right? It's guilt and shame and he heaps it on. And so it's this vicious cycle when we don't trust God. We believe the lie that God can't be trusted. We start to act out in sin. And then he comes after us. And so maybe you've believed some of those lies. Maybe you have struggled to trust God. Or maybe you have struggled to even believe this is all real. You say, I don't know what you're talking about. Spiritual battle, Lord of the Rings? Like, I don't know, what's that? But there is a battle going on and... These two kingdoms are at war, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. There's no contest. They're not equal. We're on the winning side. If you're in the kingdom of God, take heart. Jesus has won the victory. We get to stand in it. We need to persevere. We need to walk and, and let our trials refine our faith and build us and grow us to be more like Jesus. We can stand firm. We don't have to stand firm because we're the ones winning. Jesus won for us. And so if you're here today and you're like, I don't know, I don't know if I'm in the kingdom of God. I'd love to have a conversation with you about that. All it is is trusting in Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And so it's a matter of trusting in Jesus to move from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And if you're here today and you're saying, man, I'm, I'm a part of the family, part of the kingdom, but I'm going through some stuff right now. Take heart, Jesus is with you. 
says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Maybe you just need to hear today that God loves you. God is crazy about you. Even if you're dealing with some stuff, some hard things in your life, he loves you. And he came and he sent Jesus because he loved us so much to die for us. So take heart. It's good news for us. Don't believe the lie that God can't be trusted. Don't believe the lie that there's no battle. And we rest in the finished work of Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much that you have rescued us from the kingdom of darkness through Jesus. Thank you that even though these kingdoms are at war and these kingdoms are diametrically opposed to one another, Lord, that we are on the winning side. And it's not even close. And so, Lord, if there are people here today who are discouraged or just feeling beat down by life, Lord, Holy Spirit, just move and work. Draw us to yourself. Remind us that there's an invitation to be in relationship with you, just like it was in the beginning, just like it was in the garden, when you walked and talked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. That's, that's the invitation for us. That's always been your desire for humanity, is to have an intimate relationship, a loving relationship with each one of us. So God, thank you for the truth, the truth that sets us free. And Lord, we just praise you and we worship you as our response. In Jesus' name, amen. Josh left us with a few takeaways from today's service. Two kingdoms. Dualism is a belief that there are equal forces of evil and good in the world. The battle between kingdoms is for the souls of people. Life in the kingdom of God is abundant. It is dynamic and fulfilling. There is love, joy, peace, and all other fruits of the Spirit. Life in the kingdom of darkness is filled with broken relationships, lies, hurt, and evil of all kinds. God's Devil The devil is still God's devil. God allows Satan to afflict people at times for reasons that we don't fully understand. We may not have all the specific answers to why God allows hard things into our lives, but we do know that they build our faith and our character. Jesus' victory. Scripture reminds us that even when we feel we are losing the battles of life, one day we will share in Jesus' victory for the rest of eternity. In the battle of kingdoms, the most common strategy Satan uses against us is lies. It's what he used in the garden with Adam and Eve, and he still lies to us constantly. Two lies we believe. The two lies that Satan tries to get us to believe is that there is no spiritual battle and that you can't trust God. Thanks again for listening, Missio family, and we'll see you again next week.